mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment, food as sport, food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person just like you and me. Today we welcome Lewis Howes to the show. Lewis is a New York Times bestselling author, two-time All-American athlete, keynote speaker, and entrepreneur. His School of Greatness shares inspiring interviews from the most successful people in the world in every field from health to business to science and everything in between. Lewis wants to inspire you to unlock your inner greatness and live your best life. You can find Lewis at lewishouse.com or on Instagram at lewishouse. Lewis House, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. My man. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, man. So one of the things that you talk about that I find to be the most compelling is the idea of charging at your fears. Mm -hmm. And I've done this a few times. There have been periods of my life where it's like any thought I have that's scary, I'm going to act upon that thought. And it's actually gotten to the point where like I'm going to pick up a kid. I have the thought that it's going to be really hard to climb up to the top of that mountain because we're surrounded by mountains and I have these random thoughts. And then I'm like, well, nope, I thought it. I have to do it. Get the kid home, go back, climb up the mountain. My wife's like, where the hell are you? We have dinner's ready. And you're nowhere. You're right. you're out of cell service up on some random hill in the in Glendale. And there is something so motivating about that because I feel like when you have this mental block, charging at it is the only mm. way to do it. This is like something you've brought to us. It's my life is – I've been crippled by fears as a kid, a lot of insecurity, a lot of self-doubt. And I think around 16, I said like enough is enough. I want to overcome – originally, it was the fear of rejection from girls, teenager, right? Is yeah. like afraid of girls saying no to them. And I remember I was just – I was this tall when I was about 11, 6'4". I was probably 130 pounds, but just big ears, you know, messed up teeth. It just was not a good-looking kid. And I was just terrified of everything. I was scared of everything, and rejection was the biggest fear. And I remember it was the summer uh, going into my junior year. I was like, okay, I'm sick and tired of just being afraid to say hi to girls. And so every time there's a girl that walks by that I see who gives me butterflies, I'm going to run up to them. Not a creepy way, but I'm going to run up to them and just have a conversation. And I got rejected over and over the first couple of weeks. But then I was like, okay, I'm still alive and everything is okay. And who cares? I'm never going to see this person again. And at the end of the summer, I was like just the life of the party type of feeling. Like I felt comfortable. I could get a girl to, to talk to me or give me phone numbers. I was going on dates, whatever it was. And I was like, wow, imagine if I did this in every area of my life. What could I accomplish? And that's what I started doing. Every year, I'd create a list of my biggest fears and then just go all in on them until they disappeared. 
It's amazing. So I really believe that fear isn't real. I believe that all of our thoughts, I think that, that there, it's a point of view and that we do somewhere have the power to change our point of view, to change our mind about something, how we feel about something. In really simple terms, like I don't like chocolate ice cream today mm. and then I can try it and decide I like it tomorrow, right? That's like a super base version of this. Right. So I have things to this day about myself that I know for sure is just a, a perspective that I could change my mind about. Like what? Like I have – like uh, taking my shirt off. I have abs, visible abs. Uh, in fact, I'll show you a picture of them later. You know, I'm, But just for you because you're here and <laughs> exactly. it's not something for the public. But like – the idea of taking my shirt off at a, at a beach yeah. has been something that I was not comfortable doing since I was five years old. And I know that, it, that if I did it a few times, I would become comfortable and it wouldn't matter. There are things still that I can, I can be completely rational about that and it still exists. And so I'm really, really interested what you use to like – I, and I and I know it's just doing it. It's like yeah. just this idea of just push through it. But I see, like, the, I see the end in mind. I'm always like, okay, what's possible for my life when I overcome this fear? Yeah, what's available to me? Is it more freedom? Is it more peace of mind? Is it more fun? Is it more pleasure? Is it more money? Whatever it is in any area of my life, when I overcome this fear, it's like. We have an empty tool belt, and every time you overcome a fear, it's like you add a special tool that you can whip out at any time for the rest of your life. Yeah. I remember, I mean, listen, I'm a white boy, right? So not to stereotype myself, but I couldn't dance to save my life growing up. And I remember I lived above a, uh, a jazz club in Columbus, Ohio, that, had, that I was paying $250 a month for right after college. And every week, they would have a salsa band come play in this jazz club. And I would go down there and watch these all, all Latin people, right? And I was the only white guy. And I was like this, this tall white dude, a foot taller than everyone else. People are dancing. There's Latin, Latin band. I don't understand the, the music, everything. The culture is different. And I go down there once a week for three months just mesmerized and also terrified because they would ask me to come dance with them. They would ask me to come, you know, get on the dance floor. And I was like, no way. I'm going to make you look horrible. And I'm going to look like the biggest fool in this place. And I started to build relationships with some of the, the dancers over time. They started to recognize me. And one time this girl literally just yanked me on the floor. I was pushing her away. I was like, there's no, I can't do this. It's terrifying. But I got out there. And I'm in the middle of the dance floor, and she's like, just follow the basic steps and just do this with me. I'm staring down at my feet the whole time, and I'm like, man, I look so dumb. I look so stupid in this moment right now. Everyone's laughing at me. They're all going to think I'm an idiot. What am I doing? And I essentially, 20 minutes later, I look up, and no one's looking at me. No one cares. They're all having fun. They're all doing their thing. And I was like, okay, I'm still alive. Like, I did not die in this moment. What would happen in my life if I could actually go anywhere in the world and dance salsa with any random stranger? What would that be? What would be available for my life if I could do that? And I remember saying, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to go all in on this. And for the next three months, every single day, I obsessed over salsa dancing. I went to salsa clubs three times a week. I went to group classes. I got private lessons. I downloaded the top salsa music and was listening to it on repeat for six or seven hours a day. There was a YouTube channel back then called Addicted to Salsa that I would watch every single night, and I would practice by myself in the mirror as if I had a partner. And I just obsessed about it. And three months later, I remember the moment that I essentially became fluent in salsa dancing. And it was like I downloaded the Matrix, something in the back of my head, and it was like, I can dance salsa and I have flown all over the world to the top salsa clubs, <laughs> multiple different languages, walked right in, found the best dancer, said, will you dance? And just dance in front of the entire place like a machine because I've been able to overcome that fear. And anytime I go somewhere, I can relate to the people in that culture. I can connect. With, I have a Mexican girlfriend now. It's like I can really be more confident with myself because I've overcome that fear and I have that experience. 
It takes time to overcome a fear. You've got to learn a skill. You've got to learn a, a, a tool. And you've got to embarrass yourself over and over again. Yeah. The reason it's hard is because you need to embarrass yourself and realize you're not going to die. Right. And a lot of that, a lot of that, the reason we don't start, I think, often is, you know, if there, there's no failure if we don't try. And no embarrassment. Right. No embarrassment. Yeah. It's just we just keep going in the path we're going. That's it. I mean, right now I'm taking – for 20 years I've wanted to learn Spanish. And I've taken, I don't know, five, six years of Spanish in school. And I've never been able to get past the very big beginner basics, right? And I have a, you know, a Latin girlfriend now and her family doesn't speak English. So when I'm with them, I have to have her translate the whole time. Right. And I'm just like, okay, I could – do this for the rest of my life, or I can spend four years of embarrassment, pain, and suffering to try to learn. And I'm taking Spanish lessons right now every day, private lessons. And it's not fun. It is not fun. Yeah. I'd rather be working on my business. I'd rather be working out. I'd rather be watching Netflix or turning on Remember the Titans or something. You know, I'd rather <laughs> be doing something that's like more enjoyable because it's not fun. It sucks. It's miserable. It's not miserable, but it's just not fun. Because I'm not good at it. Right. I wasn't good at salsa dancing for the first couple of months. It sucked. When everyone else was better around me, it sucked. But when I st stick it out, and I know if it takes two, three, four years, it might take four years for me to become semi-fluent in Spanish. I know the benefits for the rest of my life. I'm going to be so much prouder of myself for taking it on than all – like for 20 years, I'm always regretting at the end of the year, what have I not done yet? God, I really wish I did – Spanish. I'm going to try it next year. And I always put it off. I don't know if you felt this way when you were, you know, struggling with your weight. If you're like, God, I'm just, this is the year that I'm finally going to like go all in and think of myself as a, a human fitness machine. And I don't know how many years you delayed that. And you always thought, oh, I could have done it this year, but I waited. Like I was afraid of something or ah, it's easier to just eat what I want and not move. And I think this is what makes us better human beings when we just say, okay, the thing that I want to do that will make me proud of myself, the more I delay it, the less confidence I have in myself. I just don't want to lack confidence. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting thing because there was certainly some of that, and I really like what you're talking about, the, the actual effort into learning something because – I feel like when I when I made the there was a long time in my childhood where dieting was something being imposed on me that I didn't want and uh, it wasn't like I didn't feel abused by it it was just like we're doing this and I'm going to go sneak food and I don't care I'll right. show my parents that I'm eating their granola and hippie stuff and and I'm when I can candy bars yeah thing. exactly and so it wasn't actually something I wanted. When I made the decision, uh, I think it was 2002. Yeah, when I made the decision, like, I'm changing my life, there was absolutely no stopping me. But I didn't have a very thorough understanding of, like, how my body used food. I didn't set a real end goal. My goal was just lose weight, get get more active, be a better participant in life for my wife or who became my wife for this girl. And, and, and so I had a lot of ups and downs, but it was just like educating myself. Cause I would go like, I'm going to eat 600 calories a day wow, for months hard. and months and months. Very hard. So hard. But when I, when I'm in it, I'm, I can work hard. I can do this thing. You can't do that forever. And so the end would be like, well, it says you can do this for two months and then you start eating regular food and then you taper back onto a normal, quote unquote, normal diet, which for me, I'm like, okay, it says I'm fixed now and now I can eat a normal diet. Well, that's normal diet for that, you originally. It doesn't not, work. Yeah. It's, we're going back. We're going to gain weight again. Right. Yeah. And so I would kind of go back and forth and it took a long time. So I think what you're saying is really important on the that hard work put into the education of it mm -hmm. and, and buckling down and learning something like I'm sure there's some technical aspect to salsa dancing, which I don't even, I can't even picture what it is, but it's gotta be a component. Yes. And it's not just like step forward. Six Every, everything's times. a language, right? Like 
nutrition is a language. Yeah. You had to educate yourself and learn the tools and the strategies of like what is the actual ingredients I'm supposed to put in my body. You have to understand that terminology, the language, everything. Who are the experts? What's been debunked is a whole learning experience. Spanish is a language. It's a, a literal language. So is salsa dancing. There are rules of engagement that I can go up to a stranger, and if they know salsa dancing, I don't have to speak to them. I can literally touch their hand in a certain way, and they will move, and we will flow like a beautiful symphony in motion. Right? It's unbelievable what you can do, and it's a beautiful thing. It's the same thing with nutrition. It's like when you know what to put in your body, and obviously you know nutrition and losing weight, it's far more than what you eat. It's what you sleep. It's the relationship qualities you have, all those things. But when you know the nutrition you put in your body is going to look and feel a certain way for the most part, it's unbelievable. It's a science. Everything is like a science and, and a language at the same time. I just did a four-day no-food fast, and I've been educating myself. You know, I played football, um, high school, college, arena football. I play on the USA national handball team right now. My goal is still to make the Olympics, even though I'm one of the oldest guys on the team. And I have had to learn about nutrition over the last 18 years because I just used to eat double burritos before games and pastas and, you know, whatever. And just because I was running and working out so much. But after football was over, I gained a lot of weight because I kept eating probably 7,000 calories a day. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll just keep burning it. But no, in your late 20s, early 30s, you start to metabolism slows down. Yeah, and work like if you're not if you're not a professional athlete anymore and you've got like a, a desk job or anything you're like that. You sit down all day. Right. And so I learned I moved to New York City about 10 years ago for a year and a half and I started to gain a lot of weight cuz literally every day I would go outside I was like, "Man, this smells amazing on this street corner." And I was just eating everything. And then I saw myself in the mirror and I saw my underwear fold over like bending and I was like this is no this can't I can't do this <laughs> and I was like okay I need to learn I started to educate myself about the language and I did a juice cleanse and started drinking green juice every morning and healthier foods and I didn't know that pizza wasn't a healthy thing right like I just growing up in Ohio that was like no it's got your meat and your cheese and your bread and you're good to go yeah that's the whole food pyramid Ch chicken tenders and bratwurst and, and hot pockets was pretty much what I ate in college right so it was like I had to educate myself. And I remember the last thing, I probably have a long way to go with my health, but I remember I was like, gosh, like I'm still not to the place I want to be in my health. And fasting, intermittent fasting, I was doing okay, but I never fasted for more than 18 hours. And I was kind of afraid, like, what will happen if I don't eat for a day or two days or three days? And the last week I finished four days in a row, no food, just water. And... Um, I was like, man, I actually feel really good. I could have gone another couple of days. Wow. And I feel like my body's starting to transform. Like I'm constantly burning calories more than I ever have before. Yeah. And I don't know if it reset my system or what. It killed all the dead cells or something, but I feel like I'm constantly losing weight. Yeah. And I'm more mindful of how much I eat because consumption is a big thing for me. I just eat a lot. You're a big dude too, so you probably can eat quite yeah. a bit. Like exactly. they don't like seeing guys like us at a buffet. Right. You know? <laughs> no, it's not scary. Yeah. Cut the profit we, margin. we can put them yeah. out of business, exactly. you know, especially like a nice one in Vegas yes. where they got the prime rib oh and stuff. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I like thinking about any kind of field as a language because there is an end and like acting is yeah. a language. Like, I don't know how to act. You put me on a, a, a screen to try to memorize a script and like perform, I'd be like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Yeah. And I know I have a shorthand with people who've been doing it and there's going to be certain things, the way, you know, what angle we look at each other, how close to the camera we get when the camera's behind us, where we step. There's a lot that goes into it. That there's only, a language, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, the language, the terminology, you know yeah. how to set it up, like. Like, well, I'd be clueless. I'd be like, tell me what to do. You and know? have you noticed that as you get deeper into something and learning the language, nuances of it that were completely imperceptible will open up and suddenly it, it means something totally different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes with goals too. Like your goal with uh, literal language, with Spanish, yep. I imagine that. You, you said you wanted to learn Spanish for 20 years. Well, when you didn't have 
Hispanic in-laws. Uh, the incentive. The, right. Yes. The incentive is different. It's just like a personal thing. And now you have a literal reason yes. to know it. Exactly. I think that, that you know, health, health becomes subjective for me. So I, I am really interested in health now. And I'm super interested in my health. But I know when I started dieting, I wasn't thinking about health in the same terms that I am now. I, I was thinking of like my feet hurt every night. Really? My back hurt. Wow. Um, I, I got winded. I I would hold my breath when I was around people because I didn't want people to hear me breathing. It was, like wheezing. Like Yeah. Like the effort of walking up a few stairs would put me out of breath. And so instead of letting somebody hear that and be aware of it, I would hold my breath. That's not good. No, terrible. Like getting on an elevator, I would always hold my breath on an elevator because I didn't want anybody to hear me breathing because it was just – for me, it was part of being fat. Was wow. like fat people are – have uh, struggled to breathe. It's belabored breathing of a fat person. I don't want that – no one I don't want to impose upon somebody's tranquility by going mm. like on top of everything else, here's me struggling to breathe. So I would hold my breath. That's very stressful. Very stressful. Sitting down on a chair like this, I would like stand above it and push down first, but do it without letting anybody know I was doing it. You know what I mean? And then ease into it. And then I would be sitting with my legs planted. So if the chair collapses, no I've way. Got, I would be literally Did you ever have a chair collapse? I've broken couches, but I never like oh had gosh. a. Uh, yes, I, I did. I had a, a plastic like a uh, beach chair type of a thing collapse on me. The legs wow. just went straight out. That did happen to me. But I would be. I would always sit with my feet under me and my Leaning legs forward. flexed in case the chair collapsed, so I could go forward and like stand up. And I was ready for that. Like that wow. was. So I wanted to get away from that more than I was thinking. I'm going to have a heart attack or I'm pre-diabetic or... It was more about the embarrassment of it. The embarrassment, yeah. Not of But like also the discomfort. Uh, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was like a mixture of all of it and, it, and and I was embarrassed about my feet hurting. So I didn't talk to anybody about that and my knees hurting and my back hurting. And <clears throat> I was embarrassed about, you know, having to buy two airplane tickets mm. to sit on in a coach seat or fly first class and not even really fit in a first class wow. seat. So there was What was the highest you were? 550. No way. Yeah. That was 400. No. 550. 550. So you lost I weighed lost like 300 some pounds. Yeah. I weighed wow. I weighed 536 was the last time I was on a scale, but it was a freight scale and we didn't own a freight scale because it's a giant contraption. Listen, I was 560 when people didn't get that big. This was tw thir almost 30 years ago wow. or 20 20 plus years ago. And so I I weighed I, – I was weighed on a freight scale and then I didn't weigh again for like a year and I gained weight. My pants got bigger. So I know I was heavier than so that. But 550 I no, maybe. Yeah. Now, did you ever – was it ever a thing as you started to become successful acting, getting gigs all the time? I don't know if it was because of your weight, but it was like a – you're stereotyped in that role for a while, I'm assuming, right? 100%. Did you ever get embarrassed or think to yourself, oh, I'm getting these gigs because I stand out? In this way, and if I get skinnier, maybe I won't get the gigs as much. I never thought. I never. I never was concerned about that. Uh, I. I. I would. Um, I would. Like if there was a, a part where the guy was the butt of a bunch of fat jokes, I wouldn't do it. it you want to do? You want to do the audition, or you want to do the? I would have nothing to do with it. If it was. Really? If it was about making fun of fat people, I wasn't interested because it would have been too upsetting to me. Yeah. I did a movie with a buddy, and uh, uh, Coolio was in it, and Coolio like pulled me aside very early on and said like, "I'm going to be calling you fat ass and this and that," and I said, "No, you're fucking not, buddy. We'll have real problems if you do that. Like, you better not do that." <laughs> wow. And so I. I really tried to stay away from that, but I was only being cast in roles that were written for really large people. Mm -hmm. And then I was even probably way bigger than that person should have been, like Louis Lastic in Remember the Titans. That dude was big. How he, big were you in that? Four, four fifty, close wow. to five hundred, probably. But. The real Louis Elastic, that was a real person. He was never that big. He was like big. 280, right. 300 maybe. Yeah. And I feel like 
280 for a high school kid in the 60s is real big. big. Yeah. Big. Yeah. That's a big dude. There's nobody at 500 pounds playing football. No. Doesn't, that doesn't exist that I know of. I mean, remember Refrigerator Perry was yeah. like oh, yeah. three something and he yeah. was called Refrigerator. Yeah. I double his size. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So when we talk about health, I feel like within this universe of fitness, of, of health, for lack of a better of, – of obesity, health is pushed down mm. our throats so much. And it was always like every doctor I saw was like, you got to worry about your health. And I just didn't – that was not something that ever – didn't worry about it. Didn't matter. Like it, it wasn't the thing I thought about. So – I'm curious though. I, I mean you've had great success in getting extremely healthy. And I think I saw something from James Corden a while back about him saying – Something around this topic of, you know, it's I can't remember exactly what he said. Do you remember what I'm talking about here? Where he uh-huh. was like, you know, as a, a as an obese person or a fat person, you're you're constantly judging yourself. You're constantly thinking about it. You're trying to eat less calories. You're doing these things, and he's like, for some people, it just doesn't work. Right? Is that true? That just for some people. It's just never going to work and you're always going to be in that space. I'm not – No. I can't remember if that's exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines on a, on a monologue of his. But I, I Listen, if we get into like a sciencey universe where like there can be hormone issues, yeah. but we're talking about such a small percentage of people. So yes, I assume that there are people who have like some kind of an imbalance where no matter what they eat, they're going to be over fat. But in order to get to – 500 pounds, you got to eat a lot no to, matter what. You have to be – that's 12,000 calories a day probably, right? Or yeah. what, what is that? I don't know. Massive. I, I, by the way, I didn't even think about what a calorie was until 15 plus years into dieting. What was your day-to-day consumption like back then at 500 plus? I, I would – mostly fast food. And it's probably a lot of liquid sugar, like oh, yeah. Cokes Soda, all day, just all day. Slurpees all day. Yeah. And you a, can get 10 of those in easy. Yeah. And just calories. Two liter sodas multiple times a day. And big one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And like super big gulp wow. at 7 Eleven and just bags of cheeseburgers, it. bags of fries. Just crushing. Yeah. Large pizzas and then like not really being full, having to order another one. Right, because it's not nutritious, so you no. just like keep eating more of it. Yeah, Gosh. a lot of food. You said recently you realized how much work it really was to actually be that size yeah. versus what you do now. And this is where we get into the idea of like changing your mind. Like what mm-hmm. scares me? What doesn't scare me? When I think about effort now, when I was 500 pounds, the idea of going to the gym – would be the hardest thing. Nothing's harder. Just because you're out of breath or you get tired or because – The whole thing, the the having to confront the emotional oh, fear man. of people looking at me looking in a gym. Looking in a mirror. Looking in a gym, being confronted with myself in a gym. You're fucking – sorry for – I swear. It's sometimes I'm potty mouth. But standing and staring in a mirror and lifting weights and having like a fit person next to me would be insanely impossible. Just going on a walk, just walking down the street, it was a thing of like, are people looking at me and what are they thinking? Like just constant fear. What was the fear about? I have no idea about my appearance, about my reaction if somebody said something. Do I have to fight this person? Oh, like Am I gonna saying win? some comment about your weight or whatever. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How often would that, would that happen? Not very often. Very rarely. And when they would say something, what would you do? Tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> yeah. That, but why would why would why would it offend you so much? It was as opposed to like taking it as feedback or trying to you know. Well, now I you can say anything to me. Now I have kids. I have a wife. I have a lot of responsibilities. So like, it's going to be very very hard to say any words to me that are going to have any effect to get me to react. Words. Yeah. I'm not reacting to words. I'm not reacting what are you to reacting looks. To? Any kind of physical aggression, oh, yeah. I would react to. But even that, nobody's getting close enough to me. Like, I love this whole social distancing thing just because, <laughs> like, I believe in the reactionary gap and I don't want anybody inside my reactionary yeah, gap. Yeah, yeah. If you get close enough that you're going to win if you go first, I want you outside that area, yeah. right? So 
I, I, there's no fear today. But the back back then, there was a lot of fear. A lot of fear. A lot of fear, a lot of irrational fear, and a lot of uh, my point of view was very much that change was more effort than I could tolerate. It was a lot of effort. A lot of effort. But today and through the process, just thinking about it differently, just getting my mind wrapped around different things, I put less effort into my food. I put less effort into everything, less effort into sitting down mm -hmm. and I go to the gym for an hour a day just about and way less effort into just moving around. Yeah. So it balances out and that's just the point of view. Yeah. You know? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. When did you become proud of yourself? Oh, gosh, I don't even know if I'm proud of myself yet. Really? I mean, I'll show you this picture, and I'll get a little giddy it's bump a six of pack? pride. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really a four-pack, but there's a hint of two more. Of course. Yeah. Um, it's a little shadow in there. It's good lighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all lighting. It's all smoke and mirrors, basically. So why, why aren't you proud of yourself now? How much have we lost? Let's see. If I went from 550, I was 258 today. So... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, 200 and... That's 300 pounds? 292 pounds. And you're still not proud? I mean, yes, I'm proud that I've achieved a goal. Mm -hmm. I'm proud that I've achieved a goal. Yes, I feel good about that. 248? 298. Oh, 298 today. Uh, no, today I was 258. 258. That's yeah. pretty good, man. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. And I, and I, and I will get down to probably 250 and be sub 10% body fat. Pretty amazing. Is that the lowest you've been? No, I was 220, but zero muscle. Just like skinny fat. Riding that. bicycles eight hours really? a day. Yeah, I got super. I just did. Like super floppy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was just soft. I had very strong legs, but wow. very soft upper body. Did you have to do some uh, skin surgeries or some. Yeah. What is that called? Body lift. Body lift? Yeah. They cut like actual skin off, right? Yeah. Just hanging skin. Yeah. What was that like? So I was scared to do that. I, I don't terrified. think I've, I don't think I've told this story. I was scared to do that. I'd be terrified to do that. It was really scary. They take like, I've seen these doctors take like big chunks of yeah. skin, huge. I got it in my head that I could rationalize this if I was to take the skin and tan it and cut it into pieces and like give my friends little like bangles yeah something? like little pieces like they could hang it on their keychain like so a little skin a little leathered you know oh my God. i even thought about having the, skin the fat tattooed. off of the back of it or? yeah yeah no fully tan it make it leather like skin it yeah 
stretch oh it, tan it. So I had this in Did my you head. Do this? Listen. Oh my god. I had this in my head that this, is, this is the way to do this because then it it made the whole thing like the operation sounded awful, and I was like, how do I? What I have? I need another purpose because like it can't just be vanity. I didn't feel good about that. So then I went and I told the doctor, like, hey, we got to figure out getting me this skin <laughs> so that I can get it tanned. And he said, no, I won't do that. You can't do that. And I was like, what do you mean? It's my skin. It's my skin. He <laughs> said, no, it's, it's illegal. I can't give it to you. I'm not allowed to give it to you. It has to be disposed of or donated to the burn unit. Wow. And I was like, are you crazy? Nothing is more innately mine. Like when I had my wisdom teeth taken out at 15, they handed me my wisdom teeth. Like that's mine. I want that skin. I'm going to tan it. And he said, absolutely not. So then I started planning to have the surgery robbed. While I was having surgery, I had a friend who was going to come in. No way. This was all being planned. And I had an assistant of mine who was in on planning this, who was reaching out to tanneries and at some point, the FBI was contacted because what? apparently tanning human skin is not something people want to be do. a part of. Yes. And so my wife got a call from an, uh, a tannery. Somehow my wife caught wind that the FBI was notified that we were trying to find somebody to tan the skin. You that I was your gonna, own skin. That I was going to have robbed from my surgery. Oh, my gosh. And she shut it all down. So there's no... Uh, you didn't know some Hollywood doctor that could have done it under the table for you, and I know. I feel like I feel like I really blew an opportunity here. I really, really did. Yeah, but we no got teachers. deep into planning this. Like oh, wow. there, we had it was schematics like of the hospital. Yeah. Wow, man, you're a machine. Yeah. So wow. when, when was this? When did you? Two thousand and eight, I think. Two thousand and eight. Wow. Yeah. And is there still a scar? Do they do a really good job of like? There's still a scar. Really? Yeah. But here's the here's the real troubling thing. You have the surgery. It's a it's a gnarly, devastating surgery. You're awake. You're asleep. You're asleep. Oh, it's a long surgery. They basically cut you in half. Oh my gosh, man! Um, and yeah. just because it exposes, like I guess it doesn't expose your insides because there's like a layer of yeah, something muscle. There's all still stuff, ah, but it's gosh, it's man. a big piece of stuff they're cutting. How big off was of the? You. I I had a picture that I looked at once, and it just looked like death and so i did i didn't look at it again but it looked like a large piece of flesh like a like a whole cat skinned or something like a there wasn't any fur i'm not sure <laughs> like but, the si- how big was the size i'm trying to get a mental image of the size of skin. it was like a few feet a few feet a few feet a few feet of skin like yeah this is a couple inches wide or is this like eight inches this wide? is this was like I mean, like a, for all the way around. All the way around. All oh, I thought it was just around. like stomach. And and like maybe that Holy. wide. And then it's not super deep. You know, there's not a lot of yeah, stuff hanging on it. It's just Because you've gotten rid point. of a lot of the fat at that point. Yeah, but but here's the problem. You you then are told you can't move for months. Because you got to let it heal. Yeah. Otherwise, you rip it back open. Ah, gosh. Did I did open? that too. You ripped it open? I did. How much? Uh, like I, I, I ripped my side open because no. because I after I got I get I got ang- anxious about course, sitting there like I'm 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 like I'm clearly gaining weight I've sat I've now woken up from surgery and sat and done nothing for weeks I'm gonna get up and walk around which that was okay uh, but I went on a walk and tripped and fell and rolled no. down a hill and split my side open. It was a, it was truly a disaster. That's not even the worst part. The worst part is after that, I then gained a bunch of weight. What? What's a bunch? 20 pounds, 60 pounds? 100 pounds. No way, yeah. man. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. Surgery again? No, I will not do that surgery again. But what I have is scars and loose skin. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 100 pounds more afterwards? Yeah. Twice. What do you think is going to be the key to keeping it off and never gaining uh, more than 40 pounds again, you know? I think a little bit of the key is doing this podcast. Because it holds you accountable? Yeah. Wow. That. And I had gotten to a place of really good health now that I'm interested in health. I have children. I have kids in college. Like I'm – Kids in college? Yeah. I have two kids in college. And and I – You have younger kids too or not? The youngest is 13. Wow. 
Yeah, all the way up to college, you know, wow. junior in college. Well, um, I guess now at home on Zoom, but right, right. Because <laughs> there is no college I can't anymore. Wait for right? school to start. No, the whole world. There's is no. Ended. There's no, no there's school nothing. though. Is there? There is nothing. So it's just Zoom for six months, yeah. and you just pay. But this holds you accountable. It holds me accountable, and and. I also I, I had gotten really healthy and then decided to gain weight and then tore my uh, my bicep, but I was at a point where I was just on the edge of not being able to do it in outpatient. I, like I was too heavy, so I had to go and have my bicep mm. fixed in a, in a in, hospital. Yeah. And my wife was like, "I'm not into this. Like I don't care. I love you. I love how you look." But I don't want you to have to go do simple procedures in the hospital because they're scared that you could have a problem in the outpatient place. And I, I feel like that's reasonable. Yeah. So now I'm recent. More, this is a recent thing. This was like COVID. 2016. Oh, okay. No. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So I, I have health interests now, but I certainly didn't at the beginning. Really? The beginning, I was not health motivated at all. What was it? Just a vanity to look better, to not feel? I, I wanted to be able to participate in life more. Wow. There were things I couldn't do that I wanted to do. Like what were the two big things? W go on a hike with my wife. You couldn't do it? I mean, no, not really. I couldn't go on the hike she wanted to go on. You could go for like a quarter mile and then you get tired. Go on a walk with her. Yeah. But not a hill. No. And I, I would have these knockdown drag out arguments with my friends. I have a friend, Scott Bloom, who would take me to Runyon Canyon and he'd say, there's a small hill. Let's go walk up a small hill. And I'd get there and I'd go, this is a fucking Huge. mountain. <laughs> this is a mountain. This is not a hill. And he'd go, no, not really a mountain. And then we'd sit down and break down the definition of hill and the definition of wow. mountain. And we'd have an intellectual argument and I wouldn't walk up it because it right. was not a hill. It was a mountain. I, I maintain that Runyon is a mountain. Do you walk it now? Sure, no problem. Yeah. Runyon's not a big deal now. What's the thing you're most proud of that you can do that you couldn't do before? Well, I rode uh, most stages. I, I, I went in a car for one with the races, but I rode almost every stage of the Tour de France one year. Uh, I did a full marathon on a rowing not machine. Not as a competitor, just no, as like but, a, but like still, it's doing a couple it, yeah. thousand miles in That's three crazy. weeks. What yeah. was this? 2011. Wow. When Lance was Lance. Nah, he wasn't racing. I actually did ride up Mount Ventoux with, with Lance, wow. but he was, uh, he was just uh, watching. Mm -hmm. We were watching at that point. Um, I did a full marathon on a rowing machine. That was impressive. How many hours did that take? Three hours. Holy cow. Yeah, 49,000 meters. Dude, was your arms just like dead in your back? No, I could have done more. Wow. Yeah, I did... Um, a kettlebell challenge where I did a thousand swings a day with a 53 pound kettlebell for 10 days, 10,000 swings in 10 days. It was very hard to sit down on the toilet after oh that. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. Yeah. You're a machine, man. Your hands must have been ripped up too. Yeah. Yeah. Great calluses. Wow. Yeah. So there are things I'm proud of. I am proud of those things. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's you the know, thing you're still not proud of? My body. I don't think I look great. But that I recognize as we're talking about, that's not real. Mm. You know what I mean? Like just as I did these things that I decide to be proud of, that's not really real either. It's mm. a feeling that I decided to have. I could just as easily go 10,000 swings as nothing. Right. That's BS. Yeah. Do, do 30,000 swings. Yeah. yeah. You did one marathon on an erg. Do three marathons. Do a double marathon. Do 100 miles. You know, but it's all just the perspective. Yeah. It's just what your mind says is important to you and is meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. But I love what you're doing where you just are smashing through your fears. I'm trying. It's not. It's, sometimes it takes longer. Like I know Spanish is going to take longer because okay. I don't have the time dedicated. When I was in finishing college, I literally all I had to do was obsess over salsa dancing yeah. all day. And I have an hour a day of Spanish. So I know it's going to take me longer, which frustrates me even more. But I have other priorities that are more important for my business and my mission that I'm like, yes, this is important. But I'm not going to go move to Latin America for two years and only speak Spanish. I've got to build my my business and my mission as well. So I've, I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have done this when I was 19, 20, when I had the time and go live in Guatemala or something. You know, that's yeah. that's my regret. Yeah. And so I got to pay the price now. And it's just going to take longer. But that's but, but you're still doing it, still doing it, showing and, up. And and 
I think that that's something that can dissuade people too. Like the idea of wanting to do something and the time can get in the way. Mm -hmm. And that's just another fear. It is. Right? Well, I was going to ask, because how do you tie these things together? Because we're talking about attacking your fears or going after those things. And we're talking about, you know, we have a lot of people that listen to this that are looking for inspiration so that they can overcome these hurdles that they have to getting in shape or to feeling better or their health or whatnot and how to tie those two things together. So that's my question for, for me, you too. For me, it's like, it's an identity thing. It's, I don't know if you ever got to the point where you just said, okay, I need to be fitness. I need to be Mr. Nutrition and embody it with everything I do. And I'm going to act as if I'm a person that's in shape, who's educated, and I'm going to start acting that way all the time. And that's what I'm starting to do with Spanish. I'm like, okay, I just started class two weeks ago, so I'm, I'm getting there. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to practice. Every time I talk to my girlfriend, I'm practicing a little bit. Like I'm embodying it. I'm listening to more Spanish music. I'm starting that process to become the identity of a Latino. And just like, what does that look like? What? How do they act? How do they speak? How do they walk? Talk? Like, what is it? And I think it's an identity shift. Whereas before, you were like out of shape and 500-something pounds, and you had that identity. Until you shift it in your mind, it's hard to shift it in the physical world as well. So it's, I'm just shifting everything in my mind. And I did that with money, too. I remember 10 years ago, I was broke. I had, didn't know how to make a dime. I was like, no one will ever give me any money in my life. And I started shifting my mind around money. I was living on my sister's couch for a year and a half, eating her leftover food, had no money. And I said, what would a person who was financially abundant think, be, look like, do everything? And I started studying them. I started interviewing millionaires and billionaires 10 years ago when I was broke and before the podcast. And I was just getting the information for myself. And I was just learning a little bit every single day about how to apply something to my life around money and around business. And I never had like the lemonade stand or the – I never did anything entrepreneurial growing up. And I didn't think I would ever be an entrepreneur. But the more I studied it and embodied it, I overcame those fears of rejection of people saying no. Because a lot of it was like who would ever give me money for anything? And it was like the fear of rejection, which always comes back to me, the fear of rejection from girls, the fear of rejection from salsa dancing, from whatever it may be, learning guitar. I did all these other things. And Spanish as well. It's like, what if I mess up? What if I sound stupid in front of people to speak Spanish? They're going to make fun of me. It's all about that fear. So it's, it's changing an identity to own it in the mind and then manifest it in the physical world yeah, for me. I, I love act as if. I love act as if, and I also love what you're saying that you... It's probably a lot as an actor, right? It's like, you've got to embody this yeah. character yeah. and be the character. Yeah, and and if you treat a pursuit in that way, because I think a lot of the, 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 the trouble that I've had with things is when I compartmentalize them and I go, this thing that I want to do or I want to learn is only going to exist in this area, right? So only when I'm actively pursuing it. But if you're doing it all the time, how does that pertain to your, you know, whatever it is, getting gas? It, it probably can fit in there. Everything you yeah. do can fit in at all times. Yeah, and being in a relationship. It's like, how do I be a, a committed person in a relationship as opposed to a single person? Well, what does a committed person do? What does a person with equal values do? Like, how do they show up differently? It's just a different identity. Yeah. You know, I love being single, but I also love being in a relationship. And it's like you're, you're a different identity in each one. Yeah. Like the single guy can go have fun and do this and do what he wants. And, but the, the personal relationship is truly – if you want to have a successful relationship, you have to be intimate. You have to be vulnerable. You've got to be, embody commitment, yeah. respect, love, communication, sacrifice. Like you've got to embody that identity. Yeah, I think I think being in a relationship kicks the shit out of being single. When it's the right person. Yes, for when it's sure. the wrong person, yeah, it, it be a sucks. Yeah. And and that's another thing, yeah. Yeah. But recognizing that, that's a big deal too. Huge deal. Yeah. yeah. I think that this, this is so great and can apply to anything, you know? And I just love the idea of doing this stuff 100% at all times. Yeah. And I can totally see how I've done that without even thinking about it on very – very few things where I'm like, how did I get to the point where I was 
obese and then like i blinked and i was riding all the stages of the tour de france it's crazy that's man. crazy that's crazy you couldn't even walk a little hill and no. then you were doing the tour de france yeah that's crazy but i i literally remember my wife giving me a hard time about wearing my bicycle cap she was <laughs> all like all the time yeah she was you like, embodied the identity i was like i'm a cyclist i shave my legs i wear this silly little it. cap and she was like you're you're an old man. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the only way you can convince yourself that you're capable of going through that much pain. I can't even imagine how painful the Tour de France is. But you have to embody it so much, otherwise you'll stop. Yeah. If you go on the Tour de France, you'll give up. Yeah. Like I, I watched the LA Marathon this year. My sister flew out here and did it. And I watched it for the first time. And I was so inspired. I mean, it wasn't like a lot of – I went at, you know, this – the 15 mile mark and I didn't see all this fast runners in the beginning. I saw all the 50 year olds, 60 year olds, you know, guys with one leg. And I'm like, these guys can do this. I could, I should be doing this, but I've always been afraid to run a marathon because I'm a sprinter. And yeah. that's what I've identified myself as a football guy, a track guy. I'm a sprinter. I'm not a distance person. I never ran farther than three miles. Two weeks ago, I did seven miles for the first time I've been building up, and I just was like, okay, I'm going to commit to the LA Marathon next year if they actually have it now. But I'm like, I never thought I could do seven miles. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I could do 10. And it's just like I'm doing long distance every day, five days a week. And long distance for me is like three miles. But I'm like doing it, and I'm embodying it because I'm just saying I'm going to do this in a year. Like I'm doing the LA Marathon. Even if i got to walk some of it, I'm going to embody. Like I bought the Hoka shoes. Like I'm doing the thing. You know? yeah. It's like – Whatever it takes. I've seen those shoes. They're actually amazing, man. Are they? They're so comfortable for the knees. Yeah. If you're going distance, my knees always hurt. So Me too, dude. By the way, I in the midst of my ability to ride, like I was I was going to to Ireland or something to, to ride some um flat stages in the in some city and on my way I stopped in Austin to do a like a Livestrong ten K. Now, I could ride my bike for eight hours straight uphill and be fine really? at that point. And a 10K knocked me on my ass. Why? Because I, I wasn't used to running and all the impact on my knees and stuff. And plus I did I, – I don't know that I damaged them, but I put a lot of stress on my knees being as heavy as I yeah, was. of course. And, and I wasn't actually sedentary. I moved around. I wasn't fast and I didn't move around far. But like at 500 pounds, I was working. I was on sets. I was standing right. around all day, you know? That's a lot of pressure on your knees. Lot, man. Yeah. That's crazy, man. What was the, what's the three biggest fears you have today? The three biggest fears? I don't think I'm scared of anything today other than like taking my shirt off at the beach. Like I don't really think of – I'm actually scared of anything. Um, yeah. When's the last time you took it off at the, at the beach or in public? At the beach? I took it off recently – at the beach just because I was doing this thing in my head of like, <clears throat> are you a pussy? Like that kind of thing. Sorry, ladies. Um, by the way, Brandy's going to give me such a – let's just cut that out because Brandy's going to yell at me for saying that <laughs> word. Um, are you a wimp? I was saying in my head and um, and then I was like, I'm not scared of anything. And I'm, and I'm sitting there having this conversation with myself, but you won't take your shirt off. You yeah. want to take your shirt off. <laughs> you want to, you want to soak up vitamin D from right. the sun right now. And you're covering like your giant solar panel right yeah, here. That's true. And so I took it off and I sat there kind of frozen and I was just like looking around with my eyes. Like, no like, one cared. Is anybody freaking out? No one cared. Like there's a car accident over here. Where are the rubberneckers? Like right. this is a car wreck. Well, here's what you got to do. Nobody cared. Here's what I would say to every person listening is for the next 30 days, you need to take your shirt off in public every single day. That's the way to do it. You did, you've been talking about this and obsessing about it. Not like all day, but like a little bit behind the back of your – in the mind, you're like, ah, I don't want to take it off. There's people around. The way to overcome it is to give yourself a challenge. And I like 30 to 90-day challenges. I've done this in many different things in my life, from girls for 90 days, from salsa dancing for 90 days, to public speaking. That took a year because I was really afraid. But I did a public speaking uh, class once a week for a year until I could get in front of an audience without being nervous, with no cards, with you know, with just confidence. And the, just everything that I'm afraid of, I'm like, I give myself a challenge. 
But for you, this could be a 30-day challenge. Okay. You've got to do it every single day. Let's really get this. 30 days. Let's get it ironed out because I will game this. And you need to have a time frame of how long this is what a certain amount of people you. need to see you. Oh, see? So you can just do it where there's like 100 yards away. There's like a couple girls. No. You need to be walking through people's eyesight. So taking out my trash at 5 a.m. with my shirt off No, doesn't that count. doesn't work. Because that's public, what I would do. I'd do that for 30 minutes. you got to go on Runyon. Like, anything you do. Runyon. I mean, you might as well say walk up and down Rodeo Drive. <laughs> I'm saying any physical activity you do, yeah. like, you've got to have your shirt off at some point for a certain amount of time. you gotta, you got to gamify this for yourself. Right. And, and I, I wouldn't want everyone at home to gamify it. Like, for me, in public speaking, I was like, okay, I can do this once a week because there's a Toastmasters class that meets once a week. So that's what I do. But I also had a mentor once a week that I would go over my speech with because I would film it. And I'd be embarrassed, so embarrassed watching my mentor see me fumble in front of an audience. But that's what you need to do. You need to feel so much of the pain and the embarrassment until it no longer has power over you. Because yeah. right now, it's owning you. Well, I will say – You're uh, a slave to your shirt. A week, well, a week from today, I have to have scans of my body for work made and so that will be on some kind of a set with people with no shirt on so so a week from today so you should start today i need to start today so you're not feeling like insecure you're going to be really insecure still but hopefully it's less but i'll have a week i'll have a week in practice yeah and you should just sit there like this with your arms up just like ah like the most uncomfortable like position just like let people look at you let me show you what we're dealing with just so you can see the the car wreck that this is going to be Okay, so see it. this is today. Is this at the gym? No. I'm looking good, man. I'm not taking my shirt off at the gym. Looking strong, man. You know, but it's a bit of a car wreck. It's not a car wreck. And who's mind? It's a car wreck at 550 pounds? No, 550 pounds, that's pretty damn good. 550 pounds is a car wreck? No, that's, sure. I mean, I don't want to say that about that. anybody else. For me, it was a car wreck. Yeah, and this is way better than that. Way better. Yeah. So you got to quit comparison, comparing yourself to what? 20, 30 more pounds you want or something? Yeah. No, no, no. 20, 30 pounds, I'll be thin. I don't want to be thin. You want to be like 10, 15 pounds. Damn. I want to, I want to lose eight pounds of fat because then That's, you'll see all yeah, the veins in my it. stomach. Yeah, yeah. That'd be money. Yeah. Then my wife will be happy. That's all that, that matters. So yeah, every, so starting today, yeah. you've got to find a time to be around people. So are shirtless. we saying like going to the supermarket shirtless? No, 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 no. 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 But like if, <laughs> if, you're taking a, if you're taking a walk around the neighborhood. That like, shirtless. Yeah. Or if you're going out for a bike ride. Yeah. Like maybe 10 minutes of it, it's shirtless. Something. Yeah. Right, where you're like, man, this is uncomfortable. You need to feel the pain and the discomfort of the fear every day for a certain amount of time. You do it until the fear goes away. Yeah. And and this is with days, anything. With anything. And if this is 30 days, you do it, and you're like, ah, it still hasn't gone away, you do it for another 30 days. You do it for another 30 days. Yeah. You keep doing it until you fall in love with the fear. Yeah. You need to become Batman of taking your shirt off. Right. I am Batman. I, you know what I mean? It's like he was afraid of the bats and he just said, I'm going to live with the bats. I'm going to be the bats. Become bat. Yeah. My fear. I'm going to be that obnoxious guy who picks his kids up from school with his with shirt, shirt off. off. Yeah. You should. And just, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. Yeah. It's so liberating. My kids will care. No, but I like this. That's I think what I'll do. Is... I'm going to check in on you. Yeah. Please do. I'm going to text you. Yeah. In 30 days. By the way, you, you might need to text me tomorrow to make sure to keep me, I, I, to I keep might text me accountable. You, yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because this, this is, is one of those things where if you don't start, 30 days will go by and I'll not have done it. Yeah. Although I have to in a week for work. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Everyone listening, if you have, I would write down a list of your three biggest fears. And this yeah. could just be like, you might think it's silly to take your shirt off as a fear. But for you, it's a major fear. Right. It's a major uncertainty, insecurity, embarrassment. It's the biggest point of discomfort I've experienced. If I'm being completely frank, it's the only thing that I I have any kind of conversation with myself about. It's it. Then that's the thing you need to focus on. Yeah. And I would say write a list of your three big things if you have more than one. And then whichever one gives you the most pain, do that first. Yeah. Because if you can conquer one of these things, the rest of them become so much easier. Yeah. Like – I was doing Spanish yesterday with my teacher, and I was just like, gosh, I'm just not good. Like, it's really hard for me to memorize. I, I don't even know 
English. It's this embarrassing. She was like, adjective verbs, I don't know what they mean in English. That's how bad it is. Right. So I already feel ignorant that my Spanish teacher knows more about English as her third language than I do as an American. And so my insecurity is like I almost flunked out of English my senior year. I feel very insecure. I know maybe 100 words like total in the vocabulary. And so I'm like, I got to just lean into it and just be okay with like not caring if she thinks I'm stupid or something. And I'm working on it and I'm practicing and it's not my superpower. I have other superpowers. Yeah. It's okay. So leaning into it is the important thing. Yeah, I like leaning into it. I, I, I also like the idea of knowing you need to learn. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because if, if you go into any situation where you're trying to learn something and you're like, I, I got this. Yeah. It's going to be a hard, hard place to go up. And you're just going to be so much more proud of yourself in 30 days once you finish this shirtless challenge. Yeah. You'll be like, you know what? I'm a lot more, I don't think about this anymore. Maybe I do a little bit. Like every time I get on stage still, I still get a little nervous, but it doesn't cripple me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can still make an impact. And you can have an impact on your health by being able to take your shirt off at the beach and get some vitamin D. Yeah. And it's also you're setting an example for your, your wife and your kids to be like, okay, you, you can embrace where you're at in the stage of your journey. You don't need to be afraid and embarrassed of where you're at. Yeah. Because I you're proud of the effort you're putting into it, the process. Part of my fear is that I suspect <clears throat> they all want me to keep my shirt on. Why? I don't know. This is just. This what, is the internal yeah, conversation sure. that's just holding you back. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that's probably not true. Paige, what do you think? Do I think your family wants you to keep your shirt on? Yeah. No. I mean, you do have young teenage girls and they're embarrassed by everything their parents do, but I don't think you can gauge it by that. So no. And and here's the the thing. You need to, when your daughters say, "Uh, oh, dad, put your shirt on. What are you trying to be? You need to not listen to that and just like lean into it anymore and just like rub your chest in their face and like (laughs) give them a bear hug and be like, oh, you love it. Oh, I love you. And just like play with it because it's going to be a trigger for you. Yeah. When your daughters say, ew, dad, like put your shirt on. Quit embarrassing us. Yeah. No, well, I do enjoy embarrassing them. That's good. That's good. So just lean into that. Yeah, I will. No, that's going to be the thing. If anytime they have friends over, shirts coming off. Do it. Yeah. The backyard barbecue, just flip it yeah. around. Just no like, shit. What? Yeah. Yeah. I got Crocs on right now. There you now, go. I like And that. they hate that. And I, that's part of what keeps me going. There Their disdain for the Crocs. It's amazing. Yeah. I love, I love it. it. <laughs> awesome. Lewis, thank you so much for Thanks, coming. Brother. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah, bro. I love it. I, I love that we're ending this with, I have a challenge. Like I have a challenge. And yeah. everyone listening needs to create their own challenge. Yeah. And they need to message you yeah. on social media and tell you what their challenge is going to be for 30 days. 30 day challenge. Message you on one, one big fear that you're going to overcome. Yeah. And it could be taking your shirt off in public. It could be speak public speaking. It talking to s- chicks. Talking to chicks. If you're a 16 year old boy. It could be telling your your kids that you love them. Yeah. It could be whatever it is that you are uncomfortable doing. Yeah. Do it for 30 days. I love it. This is great. I think this is the first time we've given out homework, and I love it. Let's go. We got to do homework more often. I agree. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. And now for the Q&A. This question is from Doug. I find my biggest battle is sugar. I start a good trend on weight loss, and then the sugar addiction takes over, and then the mindset of, well, I already ate that. Might as well eat everything. What can I do to curb the sugar crave? Well, thank you for the question, Doug. The thing that I did was I just completely excised sugar from my diet entirely for a long time. Not forever, but if uh, having a little bit of it is going to lead you to having a lot of it, don't have any. Get rid of it. Uh, you can certainly have carbohydrates that aren't sugar. I don't know if that's if that's what you're saying. It says your biggest battle is sugar, so... I would just say get rid of sugar. You know, if it's like I can't just drink one Coca-Cola, I drink the six-pack. Don't drink any. Don't put that in your house. I can't eat just one M&M. I eat the whole bag. Don't buy M&Ms. That would be my suggestion to you. And if you're having carbohydrates, get them from some other source, rice, a piece of bread, a potato, a sweet potato, some beets. I mean, you could even eat... uh, handful of carrots and get some good carbs out of them. That is my recommendation for you, Doug. Thank you for your question. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. 
Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.